podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Friday where Liverpool don't have a game. But last night in international games, Diogo Jota scored a bullet header as Portugal beat Turkey. They advanced to face North Macedonia in their qualifying final to reach the World Cup. North Macedonia beat Italy in probably the surprise of the round. Elsewhere, on loan loan red, Nico Williams was part of the Wales team that qualified for their final. They will now face the winner of Scotland and Ukraine, a Gareth Bale free kick. The difference there, absolute stunner of a goal, to be fair. Nice to see Gareth Bale show up and actually do something in a football match rather than just sitting on the bench and kicking his heels for 600 grand a week. Luis Diaz scored an absolute peach of a goal last night. If you haven't seen this goal, I highly recommend you go and find this goal because this is a stunner. Colombia versus Bolivia, 0-0, 39 minutes gone. Cross field ball, Diaz kills it with the most perfect first touch you're going to see. Cuts inside and just bends it into the far corner. Absolute stunner of a goal. Henry Jackson compared it to the goal Mane scored against Arsenal a few years ago. It's it's like that, but it's better. It's like that, but it's better. It's a stunning goal. And we have two fabulous players in him and Diogo Jota. Jota is the strangest player you'll find, though. He missed an absolute sitter in that Portugal-Turkey game and then scores with a header from probably 10 yards out and gives the keeper no chance. Absolutely ridiculous footballer. Um, So that's what's going on at the minute with the international games. I'm not paying a whole lot of attention to them because, well, I find international football to be quite boring. Tonight, we have Egypt versus Senegal. Mo versus Sadio. They'll play again on Tuesday in the second leg. Only one of them will go to the World Cup. Now, if they're both at Liverpool next season, it means one of them's going to get a nice extended break, which is good. But it may see one of them a little bit down in the dumps, maybe when they come back, if they haven't made it. So we'll wait and see what happens there. I wanted to talk today about underappreciated Liverpool players. Though. Just very quickly, I, I feel like there's certain ex-Liverpool players that are just overlooked despite their brilliance, despite how good they were 
when they were with Liverpool because one of the players I always think is massively overlooked by Reds is Daniel Sturridge. Sturridge was as good a number nine as any that the Premier League has seen over the last decade. There's a great stat from Simon Brundish. Mo Salah has averaged a goal or assist every 97 minutes for Liverpool. And up until his last season, Daniel Sturridge was averaging a goal or assist every 97 minutes for Liverpool. It's often overlooked just how good Sturridge was. And obviously he played with Suarez and that's a big help because Suarez was ridiculous. But Sturridge held his own in that partnership. Without question, he held his own in that partnership. And from when he arrived at the club from Chelsea, he was just a different class of player. He comes in, he starts banging in goals straight away. That 13-14 season, Suarez is obviously the best player in the league, but it's forgotten that Sturridge had 25-9 and nine that season. 22-9 and nine in the Premier League. He only played 29 games. 29 games, 31 goal contributions. That's utterly ridiculous. The following season, he's four and two, five and two in all comps, but he's injured for most of the season. He only plays 749 minutes in the league. Then the next season is the season Klopp takes over. He's 13 and two, despite being injured for most of the season. He only played 980 Premier League minutes, still got eight goals and an assist. Now, you can make the argument that if he played more, he might not have been able to keep up the same sort of goals per minute ratio. And that's fair. But maybe he could have. Like, think about Daniel Sturridge. Lightning quick, world-class finisher, could score every type of goal from tap-ins to long-range belters to 25-yard chips to curlers into the top corner from the edge of the box. He could score every type of goal, good in the air. His hold-up play was outstanding. His link-up play was incredible. He might be one of the best linking forwards I've ever seen. He wasn't a full-on nine. He was kind of like a nine and a half. He had the mentality of a nine and the skill set of a ten. Brilliant dribbler. Excellent passer. Great crosser of the ball. And one of the great shames of the Jurgen Klopp reign as manager of Liverpool is that we never got to see a fully fit Daniel Sturridge partnering Bobby Firmino in the 4-2-3-1. Because I believe to this day Klopp wanted to play 4-2-3-1 from the minute he arrived. He did it the first season he was at the club. The following season he brings in Mane to play on the right. Firmino is a 10. Coutinho is best in a 4-2-3-1 off the left because he gets more space that way. And Sturridge as your nine. And that would have been genuinely spectacular. Sturridge and Firmino could play both roles. Coutinho's ability 
to float into a multitude of positions. Coutinho's link up with Sturridge, which was established very early in both of their tenures at the club, having arrived in the same window. There wasn't a weak point in Daniel Sturridge's game, and Daniel Sturridge is still only 32 years of age. So when Jurgen Klopp arrived, Daniel Sturridge had just turned 26. He should have been just into his prime. But injuries absolutely spoiled it. But you can take Harry Kane, Jamie Vardy, whoever you want. And I don't think any of them are as talented or as good at their best as Daniel Sturridge was at his best. I would take that 13-14 Daniel Sturridge season over anything Harry Kane or Jamie Vardy have put forward. 22 goals and nine assists in 2,277 minutes. In his versatility, like I said, he could play through the middle, could play off a striker, could play either wing. Played right wing quite a bit for Chelsea. He played right wing for us at times. That front three, Suarez, Sturridge, Sterling, with Coutinho joining them from midfield. Like, I know we all love the current front three, and definitely they've achieved more because they won a Champions League, they won a Premier League. But I'm not sure that front three that was put together under Rodgers, if they had stayed together, wouldn't be widely renowned as the best front three the Premier League has ever seen. Sturridge would have been world-class if he could have stayed fit. Suarez, I think, from January 2013 to the end of the 13-14 season, was the best player in the world. And in 15-16, he was the best player in the world again. So two and a half out of three years, I think he was the best player on the planet, even ahead of Messi. He was robbed of a Ballon d'Or twice because he decided to bite people. He was robbed of the Premier League Player of the Year, the Football Writers Award, all that kind of stuff in 2012-13. He should have won it at a counter, but he bit Ivanovic and they gave it to Bale. Suarez was just a different class. And Raheem Sterling went on to become a world-class player for Man City. Now, he's dropped a little bit over the last 18 months. But there was three years in a row where Sterling was just unplayable for City and he was unplayable for us. But Sturridge was every bit the player Suarez, maybe not every bit as good as Suarez, but close, every bit as good as Coutinho, every bit as good as Sterling. And he's just so underappreciated by so many people. It's not his fault he had Muscular injuries. He didn't want to have muscular injuries. And what got me thinking about this was Sachin Nakrani tweeting out that he'd had James Pierce on the latest episode of Sachin's podcast, Fans the Podcast. You can find it 
on social media and on all podcast providers. And Jimbo was on and talked through his all-time Liverpool eleven. Now, the replies are comical. They're, they're largely split into two, two groups. One group is furious that James Pierce is not older than he is and therefore hasn't included certain other players, such as Kenny Dalglish, Graham Souness, Alan Hansen. So Jimbo's team, Allison in goal, Trent at right back, Robbo at left back, Carragher and Virgil at centre back. The only one I take issue with there is Carragher, but I can understand why you'd have him in. Look how many appearances he made, part of the Istanbul team, part of the treble winning team in 01, great servant of the club. I think we've had better defenders who played with him, Agar, Hippia, but you know, if you if you want to be strict and go right centre back, left centre back, then fine, Carragher is, is your right centre back. Um, but the, so the defense, defense is fine. He's gone Fowler up front. And behind him, he's gone Salas, Suarez, Barnes. Now, I wouldn't have Fowler in mind. I get why you would. I think, you know, what he meant to the fans, that bond he had, is something that's unlikely to be replicated. He was a phenomenal player, obviously, but his prime was very early in his career and he burnt out quite quickly due to injuries I would say Michael Owen was a better player than Robbie Fowler Fowler was a better finisher but I think Owen was a better player I've no problem at all with Salah Suarez or Barnes Barnes might be the best player the club has ever had I think Suarez is the best player the club has ever had not the greatest didn't have the longevity to be in that kind of conversation with Kenny and Barnes and Souness and Gerrard. But in terms of his pinnacle at the club, I don't think anyone's done the same. So no problem with any of those three behind Fowler. In midfield, he went Gerrard and McManaman. And obviously, in a real football match, that's not going to work. But this is not for a real football match. This is just a man picking out the best players he has seen and putting them in an eleven. So people were furious that he wasn't older than he is, which is just weird. The second thing that got people's, people's back up was Steve McManaman's inclusion. And there was some very strange conversations taking place about how he was never all that good for us. And I just found it amazing. Steve McManaman is the best player who played for Liverpool in the 90s. He was Liverpool's best player through the 90s. Barnes was incredible up until he tore his ACL right at the start of the 90s. And in the 90s, wasn't the same player at all. And then obviously converted into a central midfielder and had like a little rejuvenation spell where he was so intelligent and his passing range was great. But at the same time, he wasn't the same player and he wasn't as good as McManaman. McManaman is the best player Liverpool had in the 90s. He was better than Fowler. He was better than Owen. He was better than any of them. Robbie Robbie Fowler will tell you that. Steve McManaman was sensational. Steve McManaman was the best player in England for a couple of years. And when Liverpool played under Roy Evans and had that really fun team 
where he had the free role, it was widely regarded that if you stop McManaman, you'll stop Liverpool. Now, we didn't have much success in the 90s. We won the FA Cup. We won a League Cup. That League Cup we won purely because of him. He was a big part in winning that FA Cup as well. Steve McManaman was an incredible footballer. From 91-92 all the way through to his last season at the club, he was outstanding. There's bitterness about McManaman because of how he left, but that wasn't his fault. His contract was running up and the club weren't willing to pay him what he was worth and tried to sell him to Barcelona. Barca ended up buying Rivaldo and McManaman was like, well, you just tried to sell me, so I'm not going to sign a new contract. I'm going to leave for free. Michael Owen is thought of in the same way because Owen ran his contract down. But the thing with Michael Owen was, Michael Owen was always England's Michael Owen. He was never Liverpool's Michael Owen. Steve McManaman was Liverpool's Steve McManaman. Steve McManaman is from Bootle, scouts born and bred, and a sensational footballer. And it bothers me to this day that he's so disrespected, that he's not held in the esteem he should be held in. He was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. One of the best dribblers you'll ever see, creative passer, scored some absolute worldies, probably didn't score enough. Career best, 12 goals uh, in the 97-98 season, 11 in the Premier League that year. Rarely got injured. Just turned up every week put the team on his back and carried them. And you go back and you look at the Fowler-Collymore Fowler partnership or the Fowler-Rush partnership and watch how many of the goals are as a result of Steve McManaman. And then he went on to Real Madrid and he won two European Cups along with two La Liga titles. He was the starting midfielder for a European Cup winning team. And people want to pretend like he wasn't brilliant for Real Madrid. Like he goes there having played in a free role for us, having nominally been a winger before that. And he starts on the right of a midfield three in the 2000 final. Scores. Scores a cracker of a goal as Real beat Valencia 3 0. In 2002, he comes off the bench on 61, replacing Figo, and just puts in a really good shift to help Real see out that game. Like, he lost his place in the team to Luis Figo, not to some bum, to Figo, one of the greatest players ever. McManaman is held in really high esteem at Real Madrid. Like, he's regarded as a legend of the club. He's held in far higher regard than Gareth Bale, who's won four European Cups there. 
because McManaman threw himself into the lifestyle, learned to speak Spanish, really embraced the culture, embraced the history of the club. We all think of him now as that really annoying commentator going, yep, 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 on BT Sport. But Steve McManaman was an, an immense footballer. And his best years were for us. He had his best success with Real, but his best years were for us. And he's absolutely warranting of a place in the discussion for the all-time 11 for a fan who probably started watching Liverpool around 1990. Absolutely warrants a place in that discussion. Unless you start talking about Liverpool from 2000 onwards, you have to have a very serious conversation about Steve McManaman. And if you're saying Robbie Fowler should be in, well, then so should McManaman, because McManaman was better than him. Jumping around the main Liverpool sites, the date has been confirmed for Liverpool versus Manchester City. It will be Saturday, April the 16th at 3.30pm. The game will not be moved, though, and it is going to be played at Wembley. The FA have announced they'll put on 100 buses. So that'll take 5,000 people. There's going to be about 60,000 people travelling from the north of England down, and they're going to transport 5,000. Now, I could be wrong, but I do believe it's 100 buses between the clubs, not 100 buses each. So 5,000 split between the two clubs. The FA don't care about the fans. They've never cared about the fans. Neither do the Premier League. And when people get very upset about their clubs doing things that disregard the fans' view, just remember that the governing bodies are responsible for most of these things. A uh, piece here on This Is Anfield about which players' contracts will expire in the summer. Uh, obviously, we know that James Milner's contract is up, Loris Karius's contract is up, and Divock Origi's contract is up. You'd imagine all three will be leaving the club. There was some talk about Milner, um, but that was largely just driven by somebody taking what Klopp said out of context. And then Fabrizio Romano trying to pretend that he had some sort of idea what was going on at Liverpool. Carius will certainly leave. And it looks like Origi uh, could go to AC Milan, but he may have other offers as well. Um, piece here about Fabio Carvalho and how there's no reason the deal can't be completed in the summer. You would hope, you would hope that this one gets done. So the Ken 7 podcast, which you can listen to here on Anfield Index, had Paul Joyce on, and he said there's no reason why the deal should not go through. I think that comes back on the agenda in the summer. I could see that one getting done. The lengths that Liverpool went to in January to try and get it over the line, and the loan back meant they ran out of time. But I could see that getting resurrected in the, resurrected in the summer. No reason why that wouldn't go through. 
Uh, there was a fee in the region of about £8 million agreed, and it's likely that that one gets done this summer. Now, he has offers and interest from the big Portuguese clubs, so it will just depend on what he wants for his future. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold provides another positive rehab update from Dubai. Obviously, he's rehabbing that hamstring injury that caused him to pull out of the England squad. Looks like he's having himself a nice old time, though, over in Dubai. On Liverpool.com, Liverpool handed major glimpse of the future as Jurgen Klopp has given double boost in title race. This is about Diaz and about Jota. Liverpool have glaring omission from Premier League Hall of Fame as Gary Neville gets the last laugh. So Carragher, I think, is not on the shortlist at the moment. He will get in. They're all going to get in. They're all going to get in. Carragher, Neville, Fowler, Owen, all of those great Premier League players will get in. Now, personally, I would rather have seen it be done by era. So I would have rather seen like the great players of the 90s put in first. So Dennis Irwin should be in. Tony Adams should be in. But, you know, they're putting in Rooney. So why not? Um, but Carragher will get in. I mean, there's, no, there's no question. Carragher will get in. Phil Neville will probably get in, you know? Um, all of it silly. All of it silly. Sadio Mane issue, contract issue, changed radically in 28 days as FSG and Liverpool now have clear path. There's still been no real word on whether there's going to be a new contract for Sadio, so we can only wait and see on that one. Uh, on AnfieldIndex.com, there is a piece up entitled Analyzing Jurgen Klopp's Substitutions. This one was put together by Dave Comerford. It's quite a long piece, so do give it a read when you get a chance. Diaz is the highest subbed off player. Origi is the highest subbed on player. Interesting. Interesting. Do give that one. Do give that one a read. Um, a couple of new podcasts up. So there's the new Money Talks and the new Euro Incision. If you haven't heard them, make sure that you do. There's a new Pro Plus, the Glory Days. Uh, Trev Downey and Carl Kopak taking a look back at the 1989 FA Cup. So make sure to give that one a read. A read. A listen. And then obviously there is that new Ken Seven podcast, Paul Joyce and Gav Jones having a chat. So do make sure to give that one a read. They talk about the season so far, standout performers. Can Liverpool do the quadruple? Salah's contract, Fabio Carvalho, Paolo Dybala, Jude Bellingham, and Arlene Chouameni. So give that one a read or a listen. I don't know why I keep saying read. Give it a listen when you get a chance. There is also a new episode of On the Books, myself and Trev Downey. Discussing, provided you don't kiss me, 20 years with Brian Clough, a masterpiece written by Duncan Hamilton. I think it's one of the best pods that I've ever done with anybody. I love doing podcasts with Trev. I think this is a belter. 
So, uh, and I don't normally say that about stuff I'm on, but it should be out either today or tomorrow. So give it a listen when it's out. And that's it. That's me for today. Enjoy your weekends, folks. I will see you Monday. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.